Well, good evening, and thanks for listening to this sixth episode of the House of Deputies News Nightly Podcast. I'm Miguel Escobar in Austin, Texas, where the Episcopal Church's 79th General Convention has just concluded its fourth official day. Tonight, I welcome two lay leaders of our church, Canon Myra Garns, and I'm welcoming back Canon Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Myra Garns is the Canon for Youth and Young Adult Ministries for the Episcopal Diocese of Long Island. Um, she has previously, uh, at General Convention, been directly involved with the official youth, pre- youth presence, uh, but this time has been released <laughs> and is uh, supporting the uh, Long Island deputation, evangelizing about program Baptized for Life, and providing support for the Office of Black Ministries. Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale is canon to the ordinary for administration and evangelism in the Diocese of Indianapolis, is a deputy from that diocese, and is also deputy's chair for stewardship and socially responsible investing. Welcome again. Thank you. Thanks. So a lot happened today, uh, some of it at the convention center itself and a portion of it outside the convention center as part of General Convention's public witness. That began this morning uh, with Bishops United Against Gun Violence event near the convention center, at which we heard incredibly powerful testimony from the parents of Carmen Shantrup, who was murdered in the Parkland High School shooting. Then about 1,200 people boarded a bus, or multiple buses rather, (laughs) to Taylor, Texas, to an ICE-operated, privately-owned women's detention center in Hutto, or named Hutto, where women asylum seekers and refugees are being held, some of whom have been separated from their children. And then uh, our deputies and bishops went back to work in the legislative (laughs) sessions, including a debate on Resolution B-12 entitled Marriage Rights for the Whole Church, uh, and that debate continues tomorrow morning. Mm Also in the, in the list of unofficial events, CDSP honored the first black woman diocesan bishop, Woo. Bishop Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly, from your diocese, Brendan. Uh, and there was a Latino fiesta, and so I could really go on, yes. um, and I'm clearly skimming uh, all of these events. So I want to ask each of you, what did you see happening today? Myra. Thank you, Miguel. So um, I started the day with the witness with the bishops um, against gun violence, and um, it was just a really powerful witness and space of prayer and listening. Um, I think the talks that stood out most were, you know, parents of um, Carmen who was killed at um, Parkland High School. And um, I had heard them speak at the National Cathedral when we went for the weekend of the March for Our Lives, um, and we took a delegation of youth for that experience. Um, I'm struck again um, and talked to some colleagues about how deep this pain is for us, mm-hmm. how um, there isn't a moment where you, as a parent, or her siblings were also there, mm-hmm. um, It doesn't go away. You're talking and you're telling a story and you're wiping tears and you're weeping. um, And we're weeping with them um, and just holding them, um, holding space for them. Um, But I think also what I saw was uh, the gift of this prophetic voice of young people today. 
So today, um, her bishop, one of her bishops introduced Prophet Abigail to us from Waco, Texas. Um, and I was blessed just before I came over to meet her and her family wow. in the lobby of the hotel as I was headed to this conversation. Um, and so I wanted to remind her how brilliant her words her inspiration, her motivation for us. Um, and as a youth minister, I told her that what she did for me is to remind me. Um, and, and I wanted her to know that my bishop and I are, are backing our young people in our diocese 100%. We're listening. We're, we're um, prepared to take the, um, the actions that they have asked us to, to take. And she reminded us of some of those things around voter registration, mm -hmm. around really campaigning, around um, changing gun laws, uh, around creating safe space. Um, but I was troubled, I was hurt that that um, hearing again that young people are even feeling like going graduating from eighth grade, that they need to buy items that are bulletproof mm -hmm. um, protection. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. to go to high school or to be in junior high school or to be wherever it is. And so it is enough and it is a time where we have to change. Um, and, and then the second prophetic voice was um, Andres um, Gonzalez Bonillas, who was this, the preacher at the service today. Um, and again, he called us to task where we were witnessing and reminded us who were at the service that um, our church was witnessing at the Hutto Detention Center that we are treating, you know, as a young Latino Chicano man, what it's like for his family, the story of his family, the pride he has of his ancestors who came and struggled to be in this country, just like ours did, um, around where we as a church um, have this work to do and how it's so profound for young people. And, and the list of adult men and women who make it a space like, why does he stay? because we show up, um, because we witness, because we pray, because we, we um, support leaders. Um, and so I think for me, this is, it's ironic I didn't know I was going to get this gift today, particularly yeah. as someone who does ministry with young people. Yeah. Um, and so that was really a blessing for me today. So I'm so thrilled to hear that about mm -hmm. Andres. He actually testified uh, in front of uh, my committee uh -huh. uh, a few days ago on the subject of human trafficking. And so, you know, it's funny, you know, you get a two-minute snippet there, mm -hmm. and I was mm -hmm. just like, wow, this, mm -hmm. there's, you know, some real depth and maturity, and, mm -hmm. you know, he came in prepared. And like, yeah. I, I had no idea he was preaching on, on Sunday otherwise. Um, well, I, I know it's recorded somewhere, right? Right. Oh, it is. It is. It's posted already on Facebook. I know you can find it. I think maybe also connected to the um, Episcopal Church site. Yeah. Um, he and I served for the last year on the EYE design team, um, the liturgy and music team. And so uh, it was really wonderful to have a reunion with a lot of the young people who were part of that team. And so we were all there supporting him and yeah. um, praying for him during it and some tears for all of us and uh, his parents and other friends and adults. So uh, I just, I, I, I believe that um, the gift that this convention and this opportunity for young people to lead, to begin leading at a young age, and not to say like you have to wait for some mm -hmm. profound age mark or right. date is uh, being realized. Uh, young, another young person on that team is a deputy already from the Diocese of North Dakota, 
and uh, they're in. They really are in, and they are listening and watching, and they are speaking up. So it's it's um, really a gift for all of us, yeah. I think. One little uh, photo that I saw floating across social media was a, a photo um, from the Latino uh, celebration mm-hmm. that took place tonight. Yeah, I went. Oh, you went. Oh, I wonderful. did, I did. Uh, which included a celebration of the uh, Gonzalez Bonillas family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because they're this wonderful family, for those who do not know, uh, within the Episcopal Church. Um, Ariana was actually on this podcast two days ago. Oh, <laughs> which great. is uh, Andres' uh, older oh, sister. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's the best person on GC79 Twitter, apart from the pigeon. Uh-huh. <laughs> So Ariana was on um, uh, discussing, uh, well, the day's events as, as well as with uh, Dr. Ruth Myers to talk about uh, the marriage resolutions. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So uh, between Andres, mm-hmm. Ariana, Luis, mm-hmm. and Luisa, I mean, mm-hmm. we, we're uh, experiencing the full uh, uh, Gonzalez Bonillas family. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, so uh, you went to the uh, to the service where Andres preached. Um, I did get on the bus and mm-hmm. go to Haro. Wonderful. And that was and that was really extraordinary for mm-hmm. for any of a number of reasons. I, the, the service was kind of a mess. Um, you know, God was worshipped. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, uh, if, if you were standing too far away, you couldn't really hear. Uh, you know, we, we sang Amazing Grace, um, but people ended up, like, off verse and all that. <laughs> um, but, um, and there were some remarkable things about it. You know, we talked about it uh, on, on this podcast the very first night when, you know, Megan Castellon was, you know, talking about what she hoped it would um, become. And um, I I, I think it it was all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was most powerful uh, for for me was that as we were waiting to leave to get on the buses to go back, uh, there were uh, two women, and and one of them had a young daughter, uh, who were there um, to... Uh, to, really, to thank us for being there, uh, one of whom was a uh, a woman who had actually spent 11 months um, in the Haro detention mm. facility uh, and had been sexually assaulted while she was mm. there. Sexual assault's been a serious <coughs> problem at, at that facility. And they were there not to make us feel good mm. for, for being there so much as to remind us that they're real people. Um, that are behind those windows. Uh, we saw some news reports that um, that they could hear and see us, and um, and so you know it's important. What, what what it brought home to me was that we weren't there to to protest against an issue. Although of course we were, um, but the issue is real flesh and blood people. Um, and that was um, very powerful for me. But then, of course, you know, we get to go back to our lives, mm-hmm. and those women are still um, in in detention. And so there's a little bit of, I don't know, emotional reflection mm-hmm. that I have to do there, because then we go back... And we spend like two hours trying to figure out how to vote for church pension fund trustees in the House <laughs> right, of Deputies. Right. 
Yeah. Um, Say more about that. <laughs> well, so I, so th- this is just a complicated um, <laughs> a complicated enterprise under the best of circumstances because there are twelve open seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were twenty six nominees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, inevitably there's going to be a runoff because you're not going to get a majority for everybody the first time around. I I suppose technically this process was still faster electronically than it would be on paper, but it really did not feel feel that way. (laughs) So, um, so, you know, we came in with like, you know, a three and a half hour legislative session. And apart from getting the elections done and getting maybe a third of the way into the B012 debate, Mm Um, you know, I don't feel like we got anything done today um, in the House of Deputies. So, and I see one side of the church where we're out there in the world showing up, um, whether it's for um, gun violence or for the people who are being unjustly detained. Um, But, um, and then we go back and do this thing and we spin our wheels. And I wait, why are we here again? So, um, so yeah, it's it's been an odd day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting uh, when you say that. I um, have been talking with the two young men from my diocese who are on the official youth presence, and um, they will both be uh, college freshmen. Yeah. And so they said, this is amazing and uh, a beautiful way to see the church, but it just feels like we talk things to death. Yeah. And we don't, we know what, we know the right things to do. Right. And then we just don't do them in a timely fashion. So I think it's interesting their um, lens, their fresh lens on it is that we're moving in the right direction, but it takes us so long to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, just as we are witnessing uh, but it, you know as I ask them every day what are your observations what do you and when I see them how does it feel what are you what are you thinking about it um, but th- those th- all of those the logistics of getting to yeah. the results is a challenge yeah and it reminds me a bit of what dr. Catherine, Catherine Meeks said mm-hmm. in the anti-racism um, joint session a couple of days ago or I, I I, I don't know what time is anymore, so whatever <laughs> yeah, that happened. Yeah. But she said um, that, and this was specifically in regard to racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. but she mm-hmm. just said, you know, we need to love and accept people now, mm-hmm. uh, and yet we know that's what we need to do, but what mm-hmm. we really want mm-hmm. is some sort of complicated program. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. That's not, not quite the quote, mm-hmm. but I feel like that applies to so much of what we're doing. Right. And right. I know we have to govern ourselves. Right. Um, so I don't Absolutely. have to be cynical about yeah. it, but right. it's just like the contrast today mm-hmm. is especially stark. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. I was also struck by that and, and, and also tried to hold a little bit in my mind, at least um, some, some of the tension there, in the sense that, uh, on the one hand, today's witness feels like this is what the church is about. This mm-hmm. is what the church mm-hmm. should be about. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going to overgeneralize, oversimplify, let's just do more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, I'm very conscious. Uh, I was thinking about the event, thinking. And yet it's because um, Trinity Wall Street offered these buses Uh that 1,200 people were able Uh to go Uh uh, Uh to this field. Mm -hmm. It's because um, leaders 
like Megan Castellan have been raised up mm -hmm. to also know how to coordinate with the community organization in Hato mm -hmm. that where this event wasn't just mm -hmm. us going and showing up, but it was actually a, an event that the mayor and the city like actually wanted mm -hmm. and, and helped, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I just started to think and try to appreciate, because I do tend to be someone who's like, you know, let's eschew all of this structure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just try to appreciate and think, you know, all of these structures in their own way um, help to support this event mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And maybe not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably how we're generous, too. Mm -hmm. But these, two, these things are, are very much linked. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did find myself thinking about that as well as also, Brendan, uh, to your point, you know, us getting on the bus, yeah. um, leaving, and... Uh, More and more, I've been thinking about the, the passage of Rachel weeping for her children, mm -hmm. and refusing mm -hmm. to be consoled. Mm -hmm. And in this time mm -hmm. in which it does feel uh, helpless, mm -hmm. at, or, and even sometimes hopeless, mm -hmm. sometimes I think witness might simply be refusing to be consoled. Right, right. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about that passage mm -hmm. at this moment. Um, Let's turn slightly uh, to the topic of socially responsible investing, which uh, is very much actually in keeping with this notion, with this uh, act of witness, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Brendan, you are, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, you serve um, uh, the, as the deputy's chair for stewardship and socially responsible investing. So I'm wondering if you can, I guess, just give us a, a picture, a snapshot of what that work and what that work has entailed, and uh, the resolution that you think is most particularly important at this point. Well, well let me start with just a snapshot, starting with Hutto, um, okay. and how it ties to socially responsible investing, because you know th this goes to a um, Christian ethic of how we participate in commerce. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with participating in commerce. I, you know, Jesus uses sort of commercial parables all the time. Uh, but one of the things that, if you follow me on social media, you will see every time I describe Hutto, I will point out that it is operated by a publicly traded for-profit incarceration firm mm -hmm. called Core Civic. Mm -hmm. Uh, that means that if you buy certain mutual funds in your portfolio, it is very likely that in your 401k or your 403b, Core Civic is lurking in there. Mm -hmm. That the uh, that the profits that are being earned uh, from these women's bodies are showing up in your investment portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're not showing up in your investment portfolio, they're showing up in the investment portfolios of the church somewhere. You have to do a little bit of digging to find it, um, but more than likely it's there. So when I think about kind of why socially responsible investing, why, why this wonky topic, um, is it okay for us as a church to be profiting from the imprisonment of, this, of these women? Um, and the imprisonment of um, largely black men around the rest of this country. And I would argue that, that it is not. Now, 
I also want to be clear about something else, which is that if you are investing in commerce, I mean, it is a sinful world. Uh-huh. Your hands mm-hmm. will never be clean. Be clean right. But when we are thinking about, okay, how do we interact with the world? What are we willing to profit from? We do have to set some priorities. I mean, what are the bright lines for us as Christians where there are things that we simply cannot do? I would say for-profit incarceration, for-profit incarceration is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, but then there are areas that are, you know, a, a little bit more gray. Okay, so so I've set up sort of the whole like why this is important thing. But let me step back a bit and talk about what our committee is trying to do. There are, I, I think, three themes that are coming out of the socially responsible investing side of our committee. We also have some of the stewardship stuff as well, but that's less um, attention grabbing. Uh, so two of them are uh, very much issue-related. Uh, we have a number of resolutions that came to our committee regarding the, uh, the Israeli occupation of uh, the Palestinian territories mm-hmm. and how some of our investments may be involved in that. Uh, and then we also have a number of resolutions related to fossil fuels and climate change. And uh, then finally, kind of the third set is a group of resolutions that are attempting uh, to state an overarching investment principle for the church. So that rather than saying at each general convention, okay, we've got this issue and this issue and this issue, we actually have as a church an ethic of this is who we are as you know the Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement. This is what we believe about using our assets um, in the commercial world. Um, so that, you know, between conventions, because stuff happens between conventions, um, investment bodies can, can be thoughtful and respond ethically. The other thing I just want to mention is that we are grappling with the methods in which you de- with which you deploy socially responsible investing. So the, mo- the most the idea that uh, gets the most um, attention is divestment. Right. That you mm-hmm. straight up will not buy a thing, or you're going to sell a, a thing that you already own and just wash your hands of it. Uh, and so that's you know argue, arguably from a technical standpoint mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do. Uh, but there are other options. So uh, the other one that gets brought up most, and I'll spend a little bit of time on, is shareholder engagement, uh, which is that when you buy shares in a company, uh, you then you know, own a piece of it, and that gives you standing to influence management, mm-hmm. uh, whether through having conversations or filing resolutions, because we're good at that, um, <laughs> at, uh, at, at a shareholders meeting to require uh, a specific kind of action. Mm-hmm. And so just to give some examples of how the church has used its, um, used its weight as a shareholder really well for that, uh, church pension group uh, in uh, recent years uh, worked with Delta Airlines uh, to uh, get Delta to implement a policy to train uh, their staff to spot victims of human trafficking, ah. uh, so that as like young uh, young people are, are getting uh, moved around the country, that flight attendants, among others, would be trained to recognize the signals mm-hmm. and could intervene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was due to uh, our church partnering with others to to influence that. More recently, uh, after the Parkland uh, massacre, Dick's Sporting Goods stopped selling assault. Uh, rifles. Mm-hmm. That was due to the Episcopal Church, uh, again, partnering with others many months prior to that event, uh, talking to Dicks about, uh, uh, about removing assault rifles from their shelves. So that when the event happened, 
Dicks had already kind of had this in their back of their mind. And for them, this was the straw that broke the camel's back. But while it appeared really sudden, this was due to some work that we had done a long time ago. So if we decided, oh, we're just going to not own Dicks because we don't like retailers that sell guns, we would have had no say in that. It may not have happened. Uh, so that's um, so that's kind of what, what we're thinking about. So what we're trying to do on the committee, God, I've been going on for a long time, is, is, is articulate an overall ethic. This is what we're trying to do. And then talk a little bit about the tools that we want to use to, to do those things. Uh, because I think we often like use divestment as the hammer because it's the easy one. Mm-hmm. But with shareholder engagement, um, it's not always the appropriate thing, um, but you can often be much more effective. Okay. Brendan, what would you say um, give us even a, a transition back to our diocesan world, right? Yeah. I know recently in our senior staff meetings, we were talking about um, banking, local banking, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, uh, you know, what would... Um, a tangible piece be in the investment committee um, to be able to say back to our CFOs and our bishops um, this will help we'll, see, we'll wait and see what happens with the resolutions but um, I'm also looking at how, how can we build on this conversation that we started about trying to look at this right so if we pull from banks that are we, we, we know that there are um, maybe some muddy connections, yep. but that more locally get money back into our, you know, that stays in our community, that stays local, and that is invested in our issues. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had um, Kirsten Spaulding, who uh, is with a company, or it's a nonprofit um, organization called Ceres that mm-hmm. does uh, uh, socially responsible investing and con- consulting mm-hmm. work. And one of the pieces of advice that she gave the committee as we're thinking about these things is that it can be tempting to try to do everything at once, it like was. fix all the wrongs in the world. Right. Um, but what she pointed out was, you know, it's best to choose a couple projects a year. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't try to clean up your portfolio all at once. So, like, as you articulate uh-huh. this to me, you know, you're thinking about, okay, community development. How right. do we use the wealth that we have to develop our communities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you tell me that and, you know, you've already articulated a priority. Mm -hmm. And so what are the ways that you can can best do that? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're looking at, you know, the Diocese of Long Island or its constituent entities Mm -hmm. uh, potentially as, you know, if you deposit, Mm -hmm. if you keep your bank deposits in a local institution, Mm -hmm. chances are those are going to be lent out Mm -hmm. uh, to your local community. Mm -hmm. And that's that's real positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I... I would say, you know, identify the issue that's mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. Um, and then start taking whatever, whatever steps you can to, you know, you want to know what the issue is, what's the outcome you want, and then think about the steps to get there. Okay. Um, I almost hesitate to bring this next point up, <laughs> and yet I, I do feel like I, I need to and, and want to. Um, so one of the things that struck me uh, again about the the Hato event was uh, Bishop Michael Curry's. In his sermon, he said, "You know, to make America great again, we must make America good again." Yeah. Um, and I, as I was preparing for this conversation, I, I couldn't help but contrast that ethic. Um, with some of the conversation that happened in 2015 uh, uh, around um, the divestment sort of conversations um, uh, and a resolution that was being voted on in the House of Bishops. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just be very specific here. Um, 
a number of organizations were uh, being asked to divest from fossil fuels. And um, Bishop Gene Robinson, who I love and respect deeply, uh, nevertheless uh, said that uh, he moved an amendment that would remove the church pension fund from the list of church bodies that should divest from fossil fuels. And his rationale here was that the church and the church pension fund have two different missions. The church's mission, he said, is to love God and do good in the world. The pension fund's mission is to ensure the pensions of our clergy and all our lay employees. Um, that's a very striking comment. It <laughs> <That> certainly is. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and it would seem to... Uh, well, it's, it's a very striking comment. And, and I... And, and, even if legally I can see um, some arguments there, theologically it feels like a pretty shaky bridge. So set aside the climate change or the fossil fuels issue yes. for now, but let's just focus on the overall principle. Um, I simultaneously agree and disagree uh, with his statement. So as I was kind of preparing for this convention, I was looking at the part of our Constitution that, um, that sets up the church pension fund, mm-hmm. and it references... Uh, the principles under which the fund was established. So the the convention that really got the fund going was in 1913. So the pension fund itself wasn't established until until 1917, but 1913 is the critical year for the Constitution. So it mentions these principles. So I went back and I looked at the principles um, and to, to just see what they were. And they are all actuarial. So they are just like the church pension fund exists to keep its promises to the retirees. So in in that respect, constitutionally, Gene Robinson is not wrong. Uh, You know, the the church pension fund has a legal and moral responsibility to, to, uh, to retirees. And so, you know, this is why, like, Two hours on church pension fund um, trustee elections was too long, but it's really important because um, we are electing those people to help the church keep its promises. Mm -hmm. That matters. At the same time, uh, the church pension fund, notwithstanding the fact that it is an independent corporation chartered by the church, but not, strictly speaking, part of the church. It is an agent of the church in the world. It is a big part of how we interact uh, in the world of commerce. And uh, so it cannot seek return at all costs. Uh, So that's where I disagree um, with with Gene Robinson, uh, that I think it is reasonable that when we think about sort of the risks that we are willing to take in pursuit of investment return. So those risks, you normally just think about those in terms of the ups and downs of the markets or things like that. Part of the risk comes to um, to, to being witnesses to our faith. Mm-hmm. I, who are we as the Episcopal Church if you know we're camping out at Hutto or worshiping at Hutto one day and then reaping the rewards of the for-profit prisons in this industry on the other side. That doesn't feel right to me. Now, as it turns out, lately for-profit prisons have been a lousy investment. So so that example uh, only goes so far. Mm -hmm. But we got to be careful. Um, and church, uh, you know, I'll tell you, church pension fund often gets painted as like the big bad on this. Right. Um, and I would say they've done some really good work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we could do better. We could all do better. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Uh, but this isn't about church pension fund being good or bad. It's about what are we willing to let the people who what what are we willing to have the people who act in our name do mm-hmm. and benefit from it? This it may be at arm's length, but it's not really. I've long held that in the Episcopal Church, uh, the rubber really meets the road around race and money. Yeah, right. yeah, right. that's where it really feels like we start getting kind of blocked up in right. some, yeah. some really right. significant ways. Right. Um, when I transition to this last little bit, kind of last ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Um, to a section called Broches de Oro, which in Spanish or translates into English as um, this last little finishing touches. Mm-hmm. Um, this, what is a, a last little bit that you saw you want to share uh, from today? Um, and so, uh, starting with you. All right. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> well, one other gift of the day, I think, was the ECW Distinguished Woman Luncheon. And um, uh, these women are, I think, live out this, all of the, the values that we have in our baptismal covenant, right? And uh, one, just, I think, for the women in my diocese to just to invite women on the staff and, you know, bishops and to say, we want you here. We want to stand with you. And there's, it always feels like there's not a thing that you ask that they can't get figured out. Um, and or, or funding and money um, and resource and commitment to their faithful service. Um, and I, I don't, I just, I, I was in a room filled with um, just sisters who I admire and I know on whose shoulders I stand and I'm able to do this work as a lay leader mm-hmm. that I, I get to do at this level um, and that they made probably many, many sacrifices for me to be in this, in this place. So it was, it was wonderful to hear about, you know, the keynote speaker talk about from, from suffering comes change, comes connectedness to other people. And so I'm holding that, I'm holding on to that, right? And then given what we, the witnesses that we had today, it's interesting how that all connected, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking of the women at the detention center, yeah. thinking about the, the many, many victims of gun violence, and, and all of us, this sort of thread that then makes us connect to other people in ways that maybe we wouldn't. Um, and so I think that's, you know, it's part of my baptismal living that I need to remember about striving and fighting for justice and peace um, and sharing the good news. So that, that, that was my nugget that I'm uh, a, a little full about today. I know this is an impossible question to ask, and okay. yet I'm wondering if, if there are one or two people who were honored or uh, the distinguished women that you would want to name in particular. Well, Joan Durrell is from my diocese in Long Island, <laughs> and so she's been serving for a long time. Um, and, you know, I talked to a woman from Rhode Island. Um, I think her first name was Susan, um, who was really wonderful. Um, and then a woman from North Carolina. I'm trying to remember everybody's first names. We yeah. chatted with lots yeah. of folks. Yeah. But what she reminded me was about being elected to um, council and the, and the service that she's done with farm workers in her diocese and ECW and just years and years of countless service. I mean, years before um, perhaps I was born. But it, um, you know, those three were, you know, three powerful conversations that I had, you know, in different places of our of our church. Yeah. So wow. a gift. 
Yeah. Sounds like a wonderful event. Yeah, absolutely. Brendan. So I've got uh, one quick one and one that's a little bit more substantive. So I got to meet um, Carrie Boren Headington uh, today. She's in the Diocese of Dallas. She does a lot of evangelism work both in the Diocese of Dallas and at the denominational level. And I've just like admired her from afar. We served on a panel discussion together today. We've been collaborating on a book um, oh. with a bunch of other people. It's called Acts to Action, available for purchase at the Forward Movement booth in the exhibit hall. Plug, plug, plug. But it was just so cool. Um, to, to meet somebody who I've been sort of aware of um, and she and I have been kind of, we haven't like actually been working directly together. We have editors who have just been managing everything, uh, but it was just uh, cool to be able to make that connection. But speaking of making connections, this didn't happen uh, yesterday, but it was last night at the revival. Oh, uh, so I was uh, privileged to be one of the people uh, standing at the prayer stations um, at a point in the service last night, if you weren't there, uh, people were just invited to go up and pray with somebody. And, you know, prayer is just one of the great privileges of our faith. Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I often think of, I, I know that I thought of it this way before I became a believer um, of, you know, prayer is just sort of high-minded wishing. Mm. Uh, but it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really being present with somebody mm-hmm. and inviting God into that moment. Um, and it is, it is precious mm-hmm. to have people trust you that way mm-hmm. and to trust that God is going to enter this situation somehow. And it's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it was a blessing to be able to do it. Wow. Nice. I'm going to carry that with me for a few days longer. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, for me, it was uh, going back to the uh, event at the Hato Detention Center. Um, one of the uh, ideas, I think, behind it was to be in a field and to sing toward the detention center mm-hmm. as loudly as possible in the hopes that the women could hear um, and and see us and, and in some ways know that we are there um, being a source of support or mm-hmm. on the other side refusing to be consoled. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I was really like you, Ren, just sort of reflecting on the bus and thinking about our, the fact that we are leaving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, and and then later, Megan Castellan, who. Uh, helped organize this event, uh, shared something from the group Grassroots Leadership, which was the mm-hmm. community uh, group that uh, she partnered with in order to uh, organize uh, this whole thing. And I'll just simply read it. It said, a woman called from Hato after today's prayer and told us they were glued to the windows until the last bus left the detention center. Women inside were crying saying they knew they weren't alone after seeing so many people there. Thank you. I am Episcopalian. Hashtag GC79. Amen. With that, thank you. Nothing else needs to say. Nothing else to say. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us.